in this episode of The Randy Pants Show, we get to know Nick. Warren Holstein and Ann Carr talk to us about their web series, The Actress. And we take off our pants here on The Randy Pants Show. It's The Randy Pants Show. Hi, and welcome to The Randy Pants Show. I'm Randy Lawson. That's Randy with an I. That's how a lady spells it. And I am here with my co-host, Nick McNevich. Nick, thank you for being here. My pleasure, as always. So, Nick, I realize that our listeners, they might know you from Twitter and obviously from the show, but they might not really know much about you. And the truth is, you and I are still, I'd say, toward the beginning of our friendship, a blossoming friendship, but Mm -hmm. we haven't known each other very long. So, let's do a little something I like to call getting to know Nick. (laughs) Getting to know Nick. Getting to know all me. <laughs> I don't really want to sing on every episode. <laughs> so bad. Uh-oh. <laughs> I'm not prepared for this. <laughs> well, that's how we like to do it. Oh, shit. All right. So, Nick, the listeners may not know that you have a few tattoos. Mm-hmm. And I don't have any tattoos, but I'm an artist I do uh, design and illustration, and I love the art of tattoo. Just because, well, I don't have any because I pretty much regret every decision I ever make. (laughs) So a tattoo, I don't know if I'd ever be willing to commit to something like that. I have it in my head what I'd want to get, but I don't know if I could ever really commit. But you have, I'm looking at your bare arms right now. He's got sleeves, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) (laughs) He didn't come here in a tank, (laughs) but uh, he's got a lot of tattoos. So I'm interested in how you uh, you came to be a tattoo guy, and maybe what was your first one? Um, when I was 16, uh, I went through a lot with my parents and stuff. Uh, you know, my mom and dad split up a long time ago, so uh, and they each started their own families. So my way of kind of screaming for their attention was to act out and to rebel, you know? So by the time I got to 15, 16, was in high school, and all the other kids in school were, you know, dressing pretty radically and things like that. So that's when I started to kind of conform to that whole thing. Radically in what way? Um, you know, remember when I was in high school, the Jenko jeans, they were just fucking tablecloths that were. Were you, you like know, a raver kind of dude? No, I wasn't a raver dude. I was more of like a skater kind of guy. Skater dude. Yeah. Anyway. Awkward, awkward skater, dude. Um, <laughs> Did you have a full beard then? <laughs> no, no, but at the instant I could grow facial hair, I had like the little tuft on the bottom of my chin, you know. Nice. The, just the Joey Greco from Cheaters. Yeah, not patch? the no, not the soul no. patch. Down on the bottom of my chin. Oh, we're talking bottom. Okay, yeah, gotcha. yeah, yeah. But yeah, so like by the time I was sixteen. I talked to my dad about getting a tattoo, and I was living with my dad at the time. Uh, if I if I was living with my mom, my stepdad, there was just no way. Like, I was different upbringing, very Catholic, very strict. So, when I was living with my dad, I was like, "Yeah, I think Dad'll let me get a tattoo." Because my dad had a few tattoos at the time, and so I went and got one. You know, I was 16 years old, and it was. Did he have to sign for you? Yeah, he had to sign for me, and I got this tattoo. I remember <clears throat> in December. Okay, it's mm-hmm. cold. Well, I got this tattoo on my calf. The next day I wore shorts like a fucking dickhead to school just to show off this tattoo. You know, like, look at me. I'm so cool. Um, 
So that was the first one that I got. And what is it? It's like a little tribal dragon on my calf. It's it's. You talked about re- you don't have tattoos because you regret them. This is not something that I regret, but I still I have plans to go over all of it, like cover it or incorporate it into something. Well, a the lot thing bigger. is, when you got it, tribal was the thing to get, and you were in high school. So mm-hmm. I mean. You can't. It was of a certain time, you know. Yeah, I mean, there's no excuses. <laughs> Don't yeah, make excuses for me, Randy. It's, it's terrible. <laughs> it's terrible. Yeah. No, the work is great. The work is great, but it's just the idea of, the, of the, that tattoo. Now, just you know, I change. I, things change. So now that tattoo is not. Really Do you think Dwayne landed. Johnson regrets any of his <laughs> you know arm, his arm work? He can get away with his that. tribal stuff. <laughs> Nah, he pulls it off. I can't do it with my scrawny legs. You know? it's, oh, yeah. it's not the same effect. They're pale, white, you don't have scrawny legs. legs like the rock. Not like tan, glistening the Dwayne Johnson. You know, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not pulling that off. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was my got my first one when I was 16. I got uh, by the time I was 17, I had three or four. No rhyme or reason. I just I got one on my left calf, and I got one on my right calf, and then I went to my left forearm. I would go in spurts. I would get one or two, and then I'd go a year or two or three or whatever without another one. And then recently, I've been getting into them a little bit more again. I've I've gotten like three pieces in the last year. But you got one less than a week ago. I did. I went to a tattoo party. I didn't really know that was a thing. Yeah, it was. Uh, it's the first. It's the first one I've ever been to. And my mind had been kind of going on. I kind of wanted to get another one recently. So when I my buddy told me about this, that he was hosting a tattoo party, I was like, oh, perfect. I'll go check it out. Is it at a tattoo shop? No, this is at my buddy's house. This is a guy that's uh, was used to work at a shop, and then he, he had a fallen out for whatever reason. And he's trying to get back out there, so he's trying to um, update his portfolio. So this is kind of why he had the tattoo party. He does the work for cheap because he's building his portfolio. So you kind of the best of both worlds. If you're, you know, someone getting a tattoo, mm-hmm. you get it for cheap. And, you know, he gets the exposure uh, of new work on his Can portfolio. Can I ask, like, the dorky kid in school question? Go, yeah. Is it legal? I don't know if it's legal or not. I have no idea. <laughs> I don't care. I well, don't I'm know. sure you vetted the situation properly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I I did a little research on him before I went and checked out some of his work and I, I was kind of digging on it. When I got there, I was a little was a little thrown off because uh, I talked to my buddy who was hosting the party. I said, what time should I swing by? He said, uh, he's already got someone booked for six, so come in at eight. Okay, so I got to get to my buddy's house at eight o'clock and the tattoo artist isn't even there yet. There's like four or five people there who are waiting to get tattoos. And the dude's not even there yet. I'm like, so what? You know, is everything cool? He's like, yeah, yeah, he got held up. So I'm like, okay. Um, so I scheduled to go on at 8. I ended up the dude didn't even get there until like 9.30ish. So everyone was kind of irritated. and at, That's you know, a long time. Yeah, yeah. So one person ended up leaving, not getting anything. I didn't end up getting, I was hanging out with, you know, with the people there. I didn't end up sitting down to get my tattoo until 2 a.m. in the morning. 2 a.m. Damn. Yeah, yeah. Um, Did you have somewhere to be the next day? No. So I sat down about 2 o'clock to start, you know, to start the tattoo. And by 2.30, I realized this guy was slow. Really slow. Well, he had been held up, so something was going on that was probably stressing him out. And he'd already been tattooing for hours. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Outside Um, of his normal environment. And I kind of... I think he was a little strung out. Like, I don't think he was... I think something was going on. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't know what. Game, I, don't huh? wanna, I don't want to assume, but yeah. 
After waiting all that time to get, you know, get my tattoo and then sit down in the chair and start the session, I was already like a little bit irritated. Usually I'm pretty, I'm pretty cool about things, but by that time I was like, I was a little bit irritated with the situations. Like, come on, dude, like what the fuck is going on? But like I said, by 2.30 I realized this guy was just really slow, like his, the way he worked. This tattoo is on my chest and it goes, you know, right in the middle of my sternum and then it kind of spreads out across my chest, like over top of like where my, where my nipples are or whatever, mm -hmm. or like the wings of the eagle. So this is a pretty painful spot. Like I, I've gotten a few tattoos, but uh, this is definitely the most painful one that I've, I've had. This gets the award for most painful. Yeah. And I got a few on my stomach, which those were pretty painful. On a scale of one to she didn't text you back, how much did that tattoo hurt? <laughs> Wow. Mm. That's a good question. Overall, this was, uh, she hasn't texted me back in like two hours. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. So it was pretty rough. It's a, I mean, two hours is a long fucking time. Yeah. Is this, but is this like a 6 p.m. text or is this like a two in the morning you up text? Nah, see, those don't bother me if I don't get those back. Not that I do that. <laughs> Oh, this is all for Nick the sake the of the question. Uh -huh. It's all for the sake of the question. Uh -huh. uh, no, this wasn't. This yeah. wasn't a not getting text back at two a.m. This was a. I know you're not doing much. I saw you tweet. I saw you tweet. <laughs> I saw you interact on social media. You Why like some Instagrams, right? You need to be texting me back asap. That hurts. Yeah, this was a. This was two hours without a text back on the pain level. Painful. Nick, can I see it? Yeah, you want to see it? Well, I I want to know how bad it is. Like. Are you cool? Can you yeah, yeah. You must, all right. Can you show me your chest? Yeah. Is that is the shirt up enough? Sorry, I'm all up. Randy is checking out my tattoo right now. I am just inches from Nick's nipples. <laughs> <laughs> um, A place very few have been. Oh, sorry. Hit the mic. Okay. So here's my, my analysis. Mm -hmm. I think it looks pretty dope. I really? mean, I think it's a cool drawing. Mm -hmm. And... I, it, it definitely doesn't look finished. It doesn't look like the strongest line work. I've seen some... I watch a lot of tattoo shows. See, that's because, what I was worried about when I was looking at it afterwards. And right. I waited for the scabbing. Uh, I waited for the scabbing to be completely healed, like before I really looked at it because I knew that some, you know, some spots could be blotty or some spots could be thicker because there's, you know, there's, there's scab buildup on there. Right. So, so... I love tattoo shows. I watch them all. Best Ink, Ink Master... Tattoo nightmares. Because mm -hmm. it's an art. It's a real art. Well, as an artist, it's almost the closest reality show to what I do, even though I don't do tattoos. But, you know, people come with an idea, a concept, they turn it into art, and then the execution of it. Um, I find it fascinating. I love it. Sometimes on these tattoo shows that I watch, they show them as they progress. And the line work is so bold and perfect that I almost feel like, oh, I wish they could just stop there because that illustration looks like the shit. What I would say about yours is that it looks like the beginning of a really cool tattoo and it's a cool drawing and I can see once it's filled in that it's going to look banging. Cool. I'm glad to get your perspective on it and your opinion because I'm super critical as far as this one was, like my expectations mm -hmm. for it. And I, I like this piece. It's on my it's dead center of my chest. Right. It's always going to be there. So I was like... And that's the thing. When I did my research on this, on this dude, I really liked his line work. So I was expecting something really nice now let me say this the shading is not done and neither is the color so when he goes to shade he could blend into those lines maybe if there is a miscue or something like that mm -hmm. but 
I don't know. I'm, I'm really anxious to get the rest of this thing done and see how, how it comes out. So are you comfortable with, we'll post a picture on the show's Instagram. All right. Um, we'll do a close up of the line work. That way, you know, you can leave some modesty. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. Thank you for sharing. Sure. But I also wanted to ask before we tap out of this tattoo question, what's your favorite tattoo? Oh, good question. Um, my favorite tattoo, uh, I have a peacock, a peacock on the right. Yeah, can you lift your sleeve up a little bit? Yeah. Oh, that's a very beautiful tattoo. Thank very you. Very colorful and dynamic, and the, the shape of it flows on your arm really nice. Thank you. Um, I, a few years ago, I was shopping just for shit for my house, and I'm gonna kill for this. I was in Pier One. <laughs> it's not like I was at this cool flea market, guys. Right, yeah, like, I was at this, yeah, it's not like I was. Yeah, exactly. I was at Pier One. I, went, I was at Pier One, then I went to Bed B and B. I was just in there browsing around. I didn't go in there for anything, anything specific. I was just in there looking, and there's this mass print of this oil peacock that I couldn't take. Like I saw it once, and I was like, "Holy shit, I love this thing!" And I had never uh, been interested in like peacocks before, but this thing was amazing and I still have it it's hanging up in my house now I love nice. it I bought it I had to have it it was just one of those <laughs> things and a few people you know a few of my friends who know me know that this thing is I like obsess over this right. this piece and even though it's like a mass mass oil print or whatever it uh-huh. is but um, so that I don't know ever that got, that really got me interested in peacocks um, and since then I've kind of had a thing where I have a few now a few more pieces in my house that are peacocks and that made me want to get this tattooed on my arm and I got this at, I think it's called Heritage Tattoo in Titusville, Florida. I could be totally wrong on the name because I like to get tattoos from different spots. Mm-hmm. But the guy, this guy, Oscar, did it. He did a great job. I went and I told him what I wanted. He drove it up a half hour later and he was ready. And I, I got it. And it came out really cool. It's really vibrant, really colorful. But it's got some, uh, you know, some of the line work of like American traditional, mm-hmm. which is, which I really like to incorporate. And then he kind of goes a little bit differently with the feathers and stuff like that. So. Nice. I'm really, I, I love it. Nick, I feel like I must mention before we leave this topic completely that you really love Pier One. Because <laughs> this is not the first time we talk about Pier One. No, so, fuck. Wait, <laughs> I'm going to take everyone back to the first time you and I hung out. And I mentioned it the first time we hung out. We were talking about Twitter and as we, especially because we just met on Twitter, not at the tweet up, but the first time you came into the city mm-hmm. and, and you and I hung out. We were saying to each other to give each other topics to tweet about, come up with jokes about, mm-hmm. and you challenged me to come up with a Pier One joke. God damn. <laughs> I remember being like, yeah, because every masculine dude <laughs> in his 30s always thinks about Pier One so much. Oh, fuck. Thanks for calling me out. Well, I, I'm going to tell you my tweet. Right. I don't know. You probably don't remember it. I don't know if I do or not. I, I probably don't. Um, Pier One, wicker in the front, decor in the rear. <laughs> That's right. I do remember now that you mentioned it. I like that tweet. No, I think Pier One is a dope store. <laughs> My couch is from there. Uh, I can't believe I mentioned it twice to you. That's, that's, that's way too that's many times. <laughs> well, I really enjoyed this getting to know Nick, and I hope the listeners did too. I'm sure they did. Nick, thanks for opening up to us about your tattoos. I appreciate you inquiring. Philadelphia held its primary elections this week. 
We can all learn a lot from this process by participating. And I know what I learned from voting is that my neighborhood has a shit ton of hot dads. But do me a favor, take off your I voted sticker like maybe an hour or two after you voted. No need to hang on to it for much longer than that. The same people who keep their I voted sticker on all day also bring their own healthy snacks to the movies and used to ask the teacher, wait, you forgot to give us homework. And I really don't like to get political on this podcast, you guys know that. But I have to say, I strongly believe that none of us should get married until everyone in this country has the right to tattoo their baby. No, I'm just kidding. I'm actually talking about same-sex marriage now permitted in Pennsylvania. I'm proud of my state. So I wrote a little poem in tribute to this big news. There once was a girl from PA who liked dick way too much to be gay. She said with a grin, love is never a sin, and big mazels to all the couples married today. Now it's time for... What you talking about, Willis? This has been a really exciting time for Bruce Willis. He and his wife, Emma, just had a baby girl. They welcomed a beautiful little daughter into the world. She is Bruce Willis's fifth child, his fifth daughter. Man, he did something in a past life, I tell you what, to deserve that shit. Five daughters? Woo! They named the little girl Evelyn, which makes her the black sheep of the family because that is a super normal name. So congratulations to Bruce and Emma and baby Evelyn Willis. We are experiencing a high volume of calls. We anticipate a wait of up to one hour. One hour. Welcome back to the Randy Pants Show. I am so excited because we have guests on the line from New York. And I am a huge fan of both of them, and I've had the pleasure of hanging out with them in person. They are Warren Holstein and Ann Carr, and they have the awesome web series, The Actress. Thank you guys so much for being here on The Randy Pants Show. Nick and I are so stoked. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Ann and Warren, hey, you know, watching this series a bit, your web series, theactressetheseries.com, how many of these episodes are are based on, if any, are based on real experiences that either one of you have had? Um, I would say about 80%. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's I right. mean, yeah. they all start, yeah, for sure they start with a grain of, of truth and and, and they're, they're drawn from an experience that generally I've had. Um, and, uh, and then you just draw it out from there and, and you know, we take we take um, liberties, but for sure they are heavily drawn from life. Yeah. The, the first season was actually based on a one woman show that Annie ran at UCB, uh, and it was a uh, it was a show where she played all the characters. And we've uh, that one we exercised most of the episodes from there, 
uh, we used in first or second season. Although one of the one of those that were, ended up being the basis uh, for something this season. But for an exa- for an example, the the first uh, episode that we did this season that we had uh, Michael Kostrup, who played Morris Levy on The Wire. He's unbelievable. So fortunate for us to get him. Uh, that was actually based on my dermatologist that I had recommended to Ann. <laughs> no way. <laughs> the asshole. A hundred percent. And yeah, that guy, uh, we did embellish stuff in that, but in that, that scene where he's squeezing her face <laughs> and saying, this is what you're going to look like. That happened to her. What? Wow. That happened yeah. to her. And we actually wrote a note, a note of complaint, uh, <laughs> to, uh, to, uh, the hospital that he's affiliated with. And uh, they they defended him. They wrote back, sorry, we disagree. We like him as a doctor. Did you send them the link to the show? <laughs> no. We, we, unfortunately, Mount Sinai is a big hospital with a lot of doctors. <laughs> <laughs> completely black. Well, I actually have to go see somewhere else from a different part of there. But, but uh, part of me uh, fantasizes that, that he would watch it, you know, because... When we, even when we were showing that show, we, when we uh, were filming it, there was another actress that was in the in the beginning scene, the bumper scene where they're talking about the bed bugs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, he was like, "This happened to me." And we we've run into other actresses that have said, "This has happened to me." You know, you go in asking for a normal procedure, and they try to sell you stuff. It's like a, a used car, or a mattress salesman. <laughs> you know, they they get extra revenue from the you know the the extra the extras that they throw in. You know, that's the stuff that's not covered by insurance, so they make more money from it. <laughs> so you guys write the show together. Um, what's that like as a married couple to collaborate that, in that creative way? Yeah, it's, I mean, this season is unique because we do, we do write all the scripts together, but we've also been working heavily together on production. And, you know, it's, it is, it's kind of a blessing and a curse at the same time. You know, it's so great to have, this other person that you trust and respect and, you know, that you love too, and you can depend on them. But sometimes you have to kind of work hard at drawing um, the line between working together and, and being together, you know, like it's, um, it's interesting. You don't have any sex like until the season is done. That's none. none. <laughs> <laughs> you got to lay the ground rules. Unless it's makeup sex. <laughs> um, we yeah. uh, we we've actually grown a lot. Like we, this season was the easiest because we kind of had developed our writing technique over the first two seasons. Really, how it started was when Annie was doing the one woman show. I would always kind of help punch things up. Like she, Annie's a very organic writer and she's very visceral, you know. But um, um, she doesn't, you know. She, if she finds jokes, she finds them organically. I'm a little more technically minded, so I would help punch things up and when we were doing the first season when we were translating it to film um we right around the second episode of the first season we would start having arguments about uh about because i was i'm always trying to get more jokes in because it's a it, the series is it's heavy um yeah and you're really uh, opinionated and you're very like you really i mean i have strong feelings about stuff too but i feel like you really are like you have i don't know you just you you're stubborn <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, we were talking about the show before we called you guys, and I was saying one of the things I, I love about it are the jokes, because I love jokes. And even though yeah. I say we will not talk about Twitter all the time on this podcast, it has to come <laughs> up that um, I am a huge fan of Warren on Twitter, and you are a really great joke writer. And you talk about, you know, you just said how the, being technical about jokes. I mean, you do a really yeah. great setup punchline, and whatever's going on that day in the news or in the world, I know that 
you're going to write a kick-ass, really on-point joke about it. So I could see well, how I that, that, that sensibility that I enjoy so much on Twitter totally reads in the actress because it does feel organic and it does feel real, but those really great jokes are in there and they feel, they make sense where they where they are and they yeah. feel real, but they're there. And they, I love yeah, that. Yeah, they flow seamlessly. In well, it. that's the key that, that, that I found. And what, what, what happened was we would start arguing and we would have to make compromises, and the compromises that we made would end up making the jokes in the script stronger. And then after the first season, they start starting trusting trusting each other. But when we do work towards it, some of the people that I admire the most, uh, if you like Neil Simon, mm-hmm. you know, or Woody Allen, they're chock full of jokes, but they're organic. Yeah, their jokes are that, but they're written in a way that are real enough, and that when if you get good good enough actors, that you don't even realize it was a joke. And what you were saying about the performances, I have to say, um, Anne is such a talented actress, and you turn out these really beautiful, uh, complicated and funny and sweet and endearing and moving performances, and you take it from funny to sad and back again um, and everything in between in this short amount of time, and it's it's really quite amazing. Is it hard for you to get yourself in that space, or does that just kind of come naturally because it's based on your experiences? Oh, thank you so much. First, and um, it, uh, what was the original question? Because I was just really gl- basking in the glow of your compliment. <laughs> <laughs> I'll like remove myself from your butthole now and ask a question. <laughs> And just soaking it up like a flower in the sun. <laughs> I was just saying, since it's based, since it's based so much on you, how do you um, get yourself in that space where you're playing this character that's you, but not quite you, and to then yeah. relive some of that? Yeah. Um, uh, sometimes it's a lot more personal than others, um, and I think that I just have I've always had a really good ability to embrace my feelings or to live in my feelings. And sometimes, you know, I, I get overwhelmed by them and that's part of the reason I act is because I get to, I get to express them, uh, in a creative way, um, and kind of exercise them. But I, I would say there are definitely some episodes that are more personal and, uh, I mean, I bring myself to everything, but like, for example, there's an episode called The Agent, and uh, there was a there's this quiet moment where my where Hannah's just sitting and waiting and 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 kind of ruminating and falling into this sinkhole of emotion, and, and I really identify with that, you know, like I really do identify with the kind of feeling of hopelessness and you know just not not being able to have full agency over your where your career is going and not, you know, missing opportunities that you're you're so right for, but you just can't have them because you don't have the right representation right now or you don't have somebody in your corner that you need or, you know, just like just a feeling of, of, of um, hopelessness. Like I totally, I don't, so that, that one was really personal for me. I mean, they're all pretty personal, but I mean, I guess sometimes, I guess, I'm at a point in my career where there's like, it's a fine line and sometimes the line isn't there between myself and the character. I find, I find your character really relatable. I mean, I, you know, I think you've done a great job so far. Thank you. So if you relate so much as Hannah, how much of Brian, your boyfriend on the show is Warren? (laughs) 
That's how, funny how, you should ask. How much weed do you smoke, Warren? <laughs> no, <laughs> just <kidding. laughs> I don't smoke that much. Brian, Brian and Hannah both represent, and I think it's cathartic for both of us, they both represent what, what could have happened if things have got, gotten worse. You know, hmm, it's, it's both of us when things are at their worst. And it's the and part of it is almost a little bit of a nightmare you know image that I uh, you know you know I, I've had some periods where where I smoked and certainly not as much as Brian but he's in his and I've had and I've, I've had a, uh, you know some weeks where I'm, I'm I'm not going out and doing as many shows or I'm not hustling as much but Brian pretty much is he's you know if, if you're watching for me Brian which is the second one he's pretty much shut in you know uh, you know he's pretty much you know just living through the computer and not, not getting out into the world. And they're pretty much each, each other's security blankets. But that guy that we got, Mike Still, who's a wonderful actor, and actually now he's the head, he's the creative director at the UCB uh, in LA now, which uh, that happened after. <laughs> that, but anyway, he's, he's a wonderful actor. Uh, he had never met me. And when we, were at the, we, when we did that uh, first episode, when I saw the first cut, that was one of the episodes where, I, uh, you know, I took Anthony aside and I was like, you know, we, we really did a great job writing that because this guy fucking nailed me. <laughs> you know, like, he really nailed a lot of my essence. And it was because it was in the writing. And that was one of the episodes mm-hmm. that really made, made, made both of us feel good because, you know, uh, you know, we were screening this at the Friars Club uh, Comedy Film Festival. And someone said, well, what would you say if you had to sum up what is this series about? And I said, this series is about eating shit. It's about <laughs> when you want to do something that you love, what, no matter what it is, it's about eating shit and being powerless sometimes. And yes, sometimes you stand up for yourself, but most of the time, most of us don't. Most of the time, most of us swallow things and, and hold back to go forward and not, not, to, you know, not, not to make a mess. And I think that's why the actress, we get a lot of people that relate to it that are not actors. You know, yeah. that, that, that are able to just get the scenarios that they have things that they're chasing and things that they love. And, and, and they've had to sit back, even in an office, even if it's like with some asshole boss or something, right, or someone that's interviewing you. Or, you know, we just did this unemployment episode we released today. We got a, you know, uh, yesterday. We got a, we did a really great response. So we're talking about your relationship, obviously, and how the characters are based on that and, and how, um, you know, what's, based what's you guys and what's the characters, but then thinking about you and you guys as a couple, how did you guys meet and fall in love? Uh, <laughs> do you want to talk? Well, I was, going, I was going to see someone else that night. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Oh, shit. Well, it, first uh, of all, I, I was in a, you were, you were coming to, I was in a play that was called Angry Jello Bubbles, and it was all these, these like, 20-something It was women, part of, like, hold on, I want to clarify here. It was part of the Estrogenus Festival. <laughs> and is that a, that's a pro lady kind of thing. Uh, yeah, it's like lady power, power in your sexuality, writing about you know being a woman and all this stuff. So, I we we were all writing mo- like really you know empowering monologues that were really not very good. <laughs> and, no, no, yeah, uh, I, I have to beg to differ on this. I just gotten out of a two-year acting program, and Anne's monologues were pretty awesome. Really? Um, oh. I, they were really amazing. <laughs> I just got out of a two-year program, and I've I, never really applied it, but she was amazingly vulnerable and, and funny, and uh, just everything that we're supposed to be have learned in Meisner. And uh, one of them was about chocolate cake, 
and eating a piece of chocolate cake and like kind of like eating like eating this disorder type thing. And the other one was about uh, masturbating on the train or touch, wanting to touch yourself oh, on the train. Hello. Wanting to touch yourself on the train. Yeah, because yeah, I was Which, uh, so... Which is referenced uh, in the wedding. <laughs> starved for, um, you know, for, <laughs> for sex. It was, it was love at first masturbation story, pretty much. <laughs> That's so cute. But it wasn't like, it was actually just like really like this sweet struggle of, uh, of a person confronting sexual feelings on the train. And it was actually, it was a great monologue. It wasn't like a, hey, this bitch, you know, yeah. I'm get her <laughs> you know what I mean? It was yeah. like, wow, that, that was really kind of ballsy to talk about that. And I was there to see someone else that night who quickly, quickly dragged me out. And I never thought I'd see her again. And, um, huh, I wonder if that, that blonde haired girl will be at that cast party. Ah. Kind of cute. <laughs> and she was. <laughs> Smart move. I was. <laughs> and it kind of started there. It was a, there was a little bit of a, a back and forth phone call thing uh, where I was trying to, uh, um, I was trying to, I told her she, I, I was doing proofreading at the time and she didn't like her job. And I was like, you should call me. I'll, uh, I could give her the number for the class, but I never gave her the number. You know, I kept telling her, well, we should meet and talk about it. I don't need to waste your money. <laughs> you Yeah, that's brilliant. Um, <laughs> There's a question that we like to ask all of our guests on the Randy Pants show. Um, what is your guys' all-time favorite TV shows? Oh, we have so many because we watch a lot of TV. Um... I love how you own you own it, and I love that about you. <laughs> yeah, we we love Game of Thrones. Big, big, big Game of Thrones fans. Yeah. I love Game of Thrones, but that, that doesn't go and like best of. Go, go to your best of. Oh, you don't think so? Okay, Mad Men. <laughs> Game of Thrones is your best. Uh, yeah, I like Mad Men. My, my, I mean, I, I, I immediately I think Deadwood and The Wire. Those are like mm-hmm. the two that come to my head. Those are great. Immediately. I'm actually from Baltimore. So I, mm-hmm. I love The Wire, but it's also a whole nother level because in a way I resent it because it's before all yeah. we had was crabs and now we have crabs and The Wire. <laughs> and, you know, it's just as much as I love the show, I'm just like, man, it's everyone's. I'm sure that's your first association with Baltimore. When someone says Baltimore, you're like The Wire, right? Crabs and The Wire. They go together like peanut butter and jelly. Um, yeah, I, that's a great show. But do you find it to be... Um, true or is it like more I do feel like some pride for the city and I think there's a lot of great things about it and it's a sad situation that the realities of the that the wire is based in so many realities yeah yeah. But, I mean I think it's fascinating how many different layers of the onion I think that's what attracts me to a show like the wire or Breaking Bad or uh, or Deadwood is is there's so many layers to the characters you're constantly learning layers to the characters yeah. you know they're mm-hmm. really complicated that's what I think one of my favorite things about Deadwood was it starts off and it's these two-dimensional cowboy archetypes and then their vulnerabilities come out, you know? True Detective. Big. Oh, True Detective was pretty awesome. <laughs> really. Yeah, that's that's, that's an incredible show. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. That's such a great, um, that, uh, that's such a great observation of yours on, uh, about that show, the writing and the acting. And I feel like that's, you're, I, that's one of the things that I really love about one's skills and and his instrument is that he really does observe people and really he there's like whenever he writes uh, for the actress it's always 
with that thought in mind that people are complicated and, you know, there's not, I mean, he jokes are really important, clearly, but, I mean, he always does manage to get them in, but he also writes from um, a lot of, he, it's very thoughtful. He's really thoughtful. Yeah, I think that shows very much in the actress. You know, these shows, I'd say, on, on average, you say they're about 10 minutes. Yeah. Um, an episode. And so quickly, you get to know these characters. And it's not, Sally, I'm your brother, and we've been through hell and back. You know, they're not they're not spelling out for you their experiences that they share together, but the chemistry and the nuances in the writing and the performances tell you so much that within the first three minutes, you get them and you're learning about them, and by the end of a 10-minute episode, you connect and relate, and you can see the levels to what's going on with them. So it's it's amazing to see you guys kind of see what you love about TV, and when you make your own TV, you incorporate that. Well, I know that Nick and I wish you all the success in the world with the actress and everything you guys do, because we love the show. We do. You guys are both so talented in everything that you are pursuing, and you're really out there hustling and making it happen for yourselves, creating your own content, which is awesome, which we really value. And everyone can find the actress at theactressetheseries.com. And to check out Warren's stand-up and all of your stuff, would you prefer they go to your Twitter, or do you have a website to send everyone to? Yeah, you could go to my website, which is warrenholstein.com or rebeljew.com. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> That's a sure. Or you could just go to my, uh, my Twitter, which is warrenholstein, you know, at Twitter. So thanks again, guys, and we'll be back. And thank you so much for having us. Yeah. Polly's on the Parkway's having a sale! That's right, a sale on cars! What? Cars! We're fucking selling cars! Why am I yelling? Don't ask them any fucking questions! No money down, no money up! Mo money, mo problem! Bad credit, no credit, bankruptcy, erectile dysfunction? It doesn't fucking matter! Just get down here and buy a goddamn car! We got minivans, mini coopers, mini driver. She's a fucking nice lady. Nice lady. Nice lady. We'll work with you. We'll work for you. We'll work against you. Everybody's working for the weekend. What other dealers terrorize you into buying a car? None, that's right. We'll pay for your bills. We'll pay for your student loans. We'll walk your dog. We'll listen to your wife bitch about her day. Just get your ass down here to Paulie's on the Parkway and buy a goddamn car. Get down to Paulie's today. Get down to Paulie's on the Parkway. Is Paulie's on the Parkway for you? Eh, it'll do. It's a lot of good shit. Just come down and buy a car. So I'm here right now in Science Studios, and ironically, this is the Randy Pants show, but I'm not wearing pants, because I got caught in the rain on the way over here, and got soaking wet from the waist down, like sopping wet. It's a crazy rainstorm. But don't get any wrong ideas. I am ended up putting on a hoodie that's pretty much past my knees, so nothing dirty going on here. But that leads me to our next little feature, a great song called Take Off Your Shirt, Take Off Your Pants. Now, I'm here at Sign Studios and a place where lots of creative people come to make all sorts of projects. And our guest from last episode, Katie Barbado, records her music here. 
she is a singer-songwriter, rock and roller, but sometimes she has a musical inspiration outside of that. And this is one of those, and I consider a booty shaking tune. This was written by Katie Barbado and Matt Teacher, but it features original Roots member Leonard Hubbard, a.k.a. Hub, and rappers Key West and Vinnie Blanco. Now, Katie was nice enough to call in and give us a little backstory on the song we're about to hear. I'm calling in from Sugar House Casino down on Delaware Avenue. I was um, vacuuming, actually, my kitchen and my living room in a pair of, like, red sweatpants and a Philly t-shirt. And um, he was playing the beat on the over the iTunes or whatever on his computer, and I was like, that's a fat beat, and I just started singing it, because it's uh, from uh, Mattress Hit, Five Times Bar, Mattress won like 130 bucks, sorry. <laughs> but um, that grandpa, when we used to come visit him, he used to ask me, uh, he used to take off your shirt, take off your pants, stay a little while when we go to visit him. So I just started singing what his grandpa told me. <laughs> I love you guys so much. I love the Randy Pants show more than anything in the world. And I'm so proud of you guys. And keep on making great comedy and supporting the local arts. You guys are the shit.
Let's talk about the weather, Nick. All right. Now, we're into May, but there's no turning back at this point. I mean, we're, we're definitely in May. Yeah, I mean, you mean as far as decent weather? I mean, I haven't even put on shorts. Oh. What the fuck did I do to deserve this? <laughs> <laughs> I've been such a good girl. Why has God smote me with this cold-ass, chilly weather? Uh, you love like, it's just the like, hot weather. It, it's cold and nasty and spitting rain intermixed with just like quick pops of garbage hot. Like, garbage when hot? Is it gonna what does get, that mean? Like, you know, like, it's like, you get like, <laughs> like humid, humid sticky, yeah. and sticky, like you're in a dumpster. Uh-huh. I hate that feeling. And then, then, like, it's spitting on you cold. Like, we were just, uh, yeah. we were just at the hot dog place. Underdog is here. Underdogs? Underdogs. Mm-hmm. We went there before we were recording. Mm-hmm. Because God forbid Nick record an empty stomach. I need <laughs> no. underdogs. No, we, we agreed. It was a mutual decision that we should go to underdogs. Nick, how many hot dogs do you have left on your underdogs challenge? Four left. I'm so close. And for the listeners that might not have heard episode before the episode before this, I mean, what, what's wrong with you? Go listen to that episode. It was great. <laughs> Katie Barbado was on it. But <laughs> let me just say, we talked about Nick's doing the underdogs challenge, the underdogs Philly hot dog challenge, eating all the hot dogs on the menu. There's no need to fear. Underdog is here. How many you got left? I have four left. I've, I've had 19. I have four left. There's 23 total. After that, my fist goes up in the wall forever. You are killing it. Forever. Forever. You're going to take your grandchildren to underdog someday? Well, and they'll see that fist on I'm, the wall? I'm taking somebody to underdog someday. <laughs> I don't know who you it's going to be. I'll just grab strangers off the street. Look, my fucking name's on the wall in there. You have four left. I'm bringing a podium with me to this final. <laughs> I'm not giving a speech. You don't have to give a speech. We're just going to play, like, you know, the Olympic song. <laughs> I would love that. How's the Olympic song go? I don't know what that was. But it's a fun song to walk down the aisle to. <laughs> I'm not walking down any aisles unless no. it's getting groceries. <laughs> Do you know how Vin Diesel shops for his groceries? How? A quarter aisle at a time. Oh, you did. <laughs> so maybe we should sign out. Thank you for tuning in to the Randy Pants Show. Follow us on Twitter at Randy Pants Show. Follow us on Instagram, the same thing. Check out our website. Follow Nick at Social Extortion and me at Randy Lawson. That's Randy with an I. That's how Lady spells it. <laughs> Get with it, Nick. Sorry, my stomach growled at the same time. And I was like, oh my God, I heard that wasn't thinking on the mic. about underdogs. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. See you next week. Thanks for tuning in. Bye. It's the Randy Pants Show. Donzo! <laughs>